0: This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you with us in episode three as we're talking about Roman Catholicism and asking the question, what does the Bible say about truth and what does Roman Catholicism teach, sharing some experiences that each of us have had. I have Peggy Scott with me again today. Say hi again, Peggy. Hi. Yeah. And so... We were just talking a little bit between sessions here as we were recording about something called the Baltimore Confession. Now I know the Baltimore Orioles. Catechism. No, the Baltimore Orioles. The no, but the team.
1: Baltimore Catechism.
0: It's what. What it's about called. the Orioles <laughs> and the Ravens? It's not the
1: confession.
0: <laughs> no, the Baltimore, Baltimore Confession is actually. A uh, doctrinal statement is that right? Is that what you call it? It's a book.
1: It? it was our catechism book.
0: So, did you study through that in seventh grade, eighth grade, or something?
1: Yes, we knew it front to back, uh, every answer.
0: Because it's
2: like a it's a question and answer thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it has it's a lesson plan. But um, you know, what is mortal sin? What is venial sin? What is original sin? Do you have um, answers to that? If I had the book with me, I would.
0: <laughs> I got the answers right here. Uh, mortal sin. Any great offense against the law of God? I think we talked about a little bit in episode one, maybe. I don't know. Yes. But we'll go over it again. Uh, deadly, killing the soul, mortal sin, subject to eternal punishment. Yes. Venial sins, small and pardonable offenses against God and our neighbor. Mm-hmm. So you were taught these kinds of things, and then how did that come out in terms of religious life and things
1: well you needed to go to confession for any venial sins that you may have committed and i knew i didn't do any mortal sins um they were just people that were in prison and you know they were they were bad i never did any of those so i was off there but um venial you know you, you. If you lied, if you, you know, you needed to um, talk to the priest about it. Um, I don't remember confessing sins to God.
0: But did you go to confession, like in a confessional booth and mm-hmm. things? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, usually, probably monthly. I think we like went
0: voluntarily or as a family, or how did it work?
1: Well. It was my mom and the kids, so it was not my dad. Uh, he never went to church. Uh, he was grew up Methodist and uh, married a Catholic, which was really hurtful to his family. So that was a real kind of a hard... He wanted us to be because he signed the paper that said we mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. brought up in the Catholic faith, and so he honored that but really hardly ever went. Once in a while on Christmas, I would, mm-hmm. he would go, and that was rare. So it was my mother mm-hmm. taking us. And, yes, um, I'm t- 10 years younger than my sisters and brothers, so they weren't really around. But, yes, they'd ha- have to go too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Most of families would do this on a regular basis mm-hmm. monthly. And you'd stand basis. in line
1: yeah. in the back of the church waiting to get to the confessional. There's mm-hmm. always a long line. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it was only mo-
2: once a month. Mm-hmm. What was what was that like? I can't imagine. I don't Scary. know. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like just you know? awkward eye contact the whole time with No eye people. contact.
1: It was dark and oh, there was okay. a screen and um, you had a rote thing to say. Um, Blessed, oh gosh, I thought I'd never forget it, Um, that you said when you went in. so you didn't have to really come up with your, Mm -hmm. uh, that broke
0: the. Yeah, you um, kind of started saying mm -hmm. a ritual prayer. Mm -hmm. And then when he asked you what you have to confess. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, if you couldn't remember, you kind of had to make them up. I mean, you you, (laughs) you had to say something. Well, (laughs) Well, how can a kid remember? remember. Right, he would lie about him. (laughs) (laughs) Seems (laughs) ironic. (laughs) (laughs) So then, then there was, I I pretty much thought he must say the same thing most of the time because he would say, you know, say two hail Marys and then Our Father, and yes, you know, um, and that, and then you came out of the. The confessional, and then you knelt and said your prayers, and mm.
0: um so you did so it before it you left.
1: Odd, uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember the look of the wood, and it, if I probably could remember a smell too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like one of those things. Yeah. It wasn't terrible though, because sure. I didn't do any mortal sins. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I do remember thinking, what if, what if you did do something like that? You probably wouldn't go there, you know?
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I talked uh, with a Roman Catholic a couple years ago, and he was talking about, he still goes to confession. I can't remember how often. And it's done differently now.
1: It's um, communal, usually, I think.
0: I think his was by himself, and... He said he really liked doing it oh. because you know, it was a time to really come before God. And he was very sincere, is very right. sincere. And I, I affirmed him. I said, yeah, I think it is important for us to confess things. The Bible talks about that, that we're to confess and we're to engage in fellowship with others. I just don't I believe the Bible teaches that it just has to be a priest, a Roman Catholic priest. It's something we can do oh. one for another. Oh,
1: I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, that part of it, I think.
0: Yeah. Because the, the
2: Catholic idea of confession is if you do not go to that priest and say those prayers, you are not granted forgiveness, correct?
0: Yeah, and it has to do with the role of the priest really stepping into the place of Christ and really um uh, from the Pope on down, through the cardinals to the priest, is representing Christ to the people. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's part of the issue, too, is this division between the priesthood and the people mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from various passages, like in First Peter, where it talks about all of us being priests. And we have a great high priest, Jesus, but that we actually are engaged in priestly ministry one another and my role as pastor is no higher or lower than anybody else mm-hmm. and so we all come as mm-hmm. priests and i mean that, that's a very different viewpoint than in taught in catholicism i mean we
2: even talked about that last episode with Saints. the idea that the priest can oh that too oh sorry the, the last episode um oh. <laughs> is the the that the priests read the bible Mm-hmm. And explain it to you, you as a... Right. Yeah, that was the last person.
0: episode before the last episode, <laughs> uh,
2: episode yeah. one. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. that's
1: kind of similar with this idea of saints. Exactly. And who's a saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, very much so.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm preaching in Revelation this uh, two weeks from now, mm-hmm. and so this idea of the saints in heaven comes up in yeah. that passage, but you have to wait wait until... Revelation eight. Well, I'll by the time this comes out, that. it'll probably be in the be past. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can go back and listen to the message. In so Revelation I don't
1: 8. dis confession. I think that is good. I don't know that it needs to be through the person that was listening to mine.
2: Well, like so many other things, and like the, the friend you were talking about, Tom, it, there there is value in ritual when you understand it, and yes, in some exactly. ways I think, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, we miss out on some of that just because we're so free mm-hmm. um but the downside of it is so much worse of just doing things over and over again and then you teach your kids to just do them without any real explanation of just this is what we do we've got to or,
1: I learned not to like the rosary very much saying the rosary mm-hmm. Um, because again, I was. What is ten- the ro-
0: rosary for those of us uh, <clears throat> who have not been a part of it's Catholicism?
1: Saying um certain prayers for each bead on a um my granddaughter thinks it's a necklace. I don't have any in the house anymore, but that I know of. But I found some, and she thought it was a necklace. It's a um usually beads. Uh, my aunts used to make them for. People that didn't have rosaries, like that we send out overseas Bibles and things, mm-hmm. they made rosaries, mm. tons of them, like they'd put out hundreds in a yeah, month. Yeah, what were
0: the beads made out of? Anything. Okay. You know,
1: they could be, and they weren't particularly beautiful. They got mass produced, you know, so mm-hmm. that they had something. But each, there was five to seven decades called, and each bead st- you said a different prayer. So during Lent, uh, I don't think it was every night, but it might have been. It seemed like it for sure, that it was every night. We would kneel around uh, a bed on the hard floor, Um, and I was 10 years younger than my brothers and sisters, and my brother would inevitably poke me with a broom or something underneath the bed
0: (laughs) that's to try to get a eyes out of you
1: oh yeah and then i would complain (laughs)
0: while while we were
1: praying (laughs) i would complain and then he'd act like he wasn't doing anything and (laughs) a little big brother (laughs) so you know when then they moved out uh when they grew up we didn't do those anymore like just my mom and i we didn't do that but um, there was always, you could go ahead to Mass and say a rosary. There was always a rosary being said. Um, and it had to do with the stations of the cross that I, that was. Did were you on say a different
0: rosary at each station of the cross? Was that the um, idea? Or no, decade? each decade, I think, yeah.
1: said. Um, what was going on in those stations. Okay. So you said it at the beginning of that next decade, I think. And a decade was like ten Hail Marys or something. And then the our father, the Lord's Prayer was in between each ten yeah. Hail Marys.
0: So now we're back to football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hail Mary. Yeah. Baltimore.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> what the stations of the cross. Stations of the what, Cross. What is that?
1: Oh gosh, I would have studied more if I had known. Um...
2: <laughs>
0: Studying more in preparation for the podcast. <laughs> yes, or... yes. Okay. on my Catholicism.
1: <laughs> um, it, it there were different parts of prior to the res- the crucifixion, mm-hmm. leading up to the crucifixion, oh, okay. like the.
2: I mean, what we would call the Easter story
0: kind of going on. Yeah, if you go to Jerusalem, they've got the Stations of the Cross at various places in Jerusalem. And you can kind of follow them Mm -hmm. on the Via Della Rosa Mm -hmm. and throughout Jerusalem. That's where Mm -hmm. they are. And so Roman Catholics will follow those Stations of the Cross in Jerusalem. I mean, that's the ultimate Mm -hmm. experience to do Mm -hmm. that outside Mm -hmm. through the streets of -hmm. Jerusalem. But Mm -hmm. that's also something that's commonly represented in art as well, right? Because I think I've seen... That For sure. same
2: idea, like stained glass or different yeah. alcoves mm-hmm. and different churches. For sure. Mm-hmm. And it
0: is very beautiful, yeah. uh, just like yeah. you said. It's just some of the prayers don't exactly align with biblical truth, and so it becomes confusing. You were talking a little bit about some people that you've heard struggling in AA, confused or angry at some of the things they experienced, and how did that come out uh, in their experiences? Well,
1: um, a lot of blame, and I just can't rationalize why if you once knew Christ and knew the Trinity and mm-hmm. were um, a believer of Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, how you can go so far away and not have anything whether it's i mean and i guess some of the same people might migrate to other religion religions but more of what i've observed it's been i was so mad at everything i couldn't do a thing and so i didn't go back into a church i don't um enjoy talking about Christ. I don't believe anymore. Um, And I just have a hard time with that when you just vary on your beliefs and on little details and on little. uh, Because I think there's a lot to be learned um, on the consistency of worship and going to church and being in a prayerful habit. I learned that very well. I wouldn't choose to stay home in bed on a Sunday morning for anything. Mm-hmm. And that was part of what was ingrained. Yeah. So I think that was a real good thing that mm-hmm. I think we can teach mm-hmm. kids. And
0: Was it hard going from rote, written prayers, we were talking about this earlier, to more of the freedom of praying, what's on your heart? I know that's a hard transition for some people. Is Very
1: that... much so. Yeah. Um, And I I think it takes more exploration, so it's easier to um, say grace at the table, just some rote thing, rather than thinking about what you're saying. So when you're used to just rattling off something, it's very, very hard to start thinking and praying at the same time. I think I'm making that transition to prayerful thought, and maybe not verbalizing a prayer as well. But when I go to say a prayer that I really feel in my Mm -hmm. heart, it's hard to bring it out in words. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to make that transition.
0: Yeah, I know that occasionally, as I've been a pastor down through the years, the people that have really wanted us every week to repeat the Lord's Prayer I think some of it has to do with that aspect of just feeling very comfortable. familiarity familiarity, mm-hmm. yeah, by saying at whatever their tradition of growing up and mm-hmm. wasn't, and none of the churches have necessarily been real uh, ritualistic kinds of churches. They just that's that person grew up in that kind of a background. Mm-hmm. so I, I understand why it would be something that would be pretty deeply ingrained. It
1: dawned on me what you say in the confessional. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been four weeks since my last confession. For these and uh, other sins that I may um, omit, I am sorry for.
0: Wow. That's what.
1: Yeah, it's still in there. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm. that just. So when you said wrote, then I thought, why can't I think of what I used to say in the confessional?
0: Hmm. And if it had been a year, you just say it's been a year. Yeah, I and... guess.
1: But you always said that to start with, I don't think it was required.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when was the last time you went to confession?
1: Oh, um, probably last Sunday, if I really don't say it was to the priest. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about in the Catholic sense? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose 40, 50 years ago.
2: What did leaving the church look like for you? You talked a little bit last last episode about um, uh, mom struggling with things. Yeah. That...
1: Um, it wasn't really a, like a decision, oh, I have to leave. Mm-hmm. It was friends inviting me to different churches. Um, was that when Dean you and, Dean and I
0: were up in Minnesota? Or... Uh,
1: probably more Omaha. Okay. Um, because we kind of... Um, yeah, more so in Omaha.
2: Young married couple at this point. 35. With kids? yeah,
1: 30, mm-hmm. 30 with kids. Okay. Just. Mhm. Okay. 32 probably. Um, seeking something more genuine or that I could and and Dean felt the same way. Uh, be more of of a part of he mm. learned much more than I did in the Lutheran church about the Bible. Mm -hmm. He was much more biblically based than I, but we both wanted something different than definitely than I had. And if we had found a Lutheran church that, you know, filled the gap, then we would have gone to a Lutheran Mm -hmm. church or something. Mm -hmm. I didn't even experiment much with the Omaha diocese for Catholic churches because they were very um, conservative. They had the, feeling that if you belonged in that locale, you needed to go to that church Mm. instead of even going into like St. Francis now. Um, And I didn't like that restriction. So they really looked down on, I suppose they would have let us be a member, but you were supposed to go in your land.
0: Right. And some of that I think still exists, but like you said, there's not, a lot of uh, imposition from that standpoint. Mm -hmm.
1: And I didn't like that then. Mm -hmm. Um, So.
0: Yeah, I think I was talking with somebody a few weeks ago, and, oh, it was one of my relatives. They were talking about kind of a movement in Roman Catholicism to go back to the ancient way of Latin masses, that there's a movement in that direction these days, which is interesting. Yeah. and I think it's that desire to be, again, connected in a very long-lasting tradition, to be conservative, and that, like I said, I think in the first episode, Roman Catholicism is a very, very large entity. Mm -hmm. And so for individual people, I know whether you're listening or whether you're interacting with Roman Catholics, individual people who call themselves Roman Catholics are all across the board. Some would be very conservative, some would be very liberal in their lifestyle, and everything in between. Some people go to church a couple times a year, some very faithfully every week and to confession, and you've got monasteries, and you've got various kinds of religious orders doing ministry all around the world. And so it's a complex, complex organization. And when we minister, or when we come to Jesus, we come as individual people. And so we always want to find out, just like your own journey, Peggy, you know, it's different than other people that you knew and have talked with down through the years. And so that's just really important to recognize is that even though we talk some about doctrine, it's really each individual person's a little different. And terms of their own journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it is important in terms of application to either encourage um, those we know are Roman Catholic to be in the Bible, to be reading it, or invite them to come and read the Bible with us, because that is one of the ways that God works is Mm -hmm. and opens eyes. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not out of Roman Catholic. Background. I know for me that was just the way God opened my eyes to the mm-hmm. reality of who Jesus is. Was starting to read and just find out mm-hmm. about who He is. So that, that's always something really important, and we don't always do a good job of inviting people. Well, and into that's that. what I I yeah. do
1: really credit some very important people in my life that I could tell they were different. I knew they were different, and then I kind of knew why when they said, well, why don't you come with me or mm-hmm. um, I'll say a prayer for you. It's like, oh, really?
0: Hmm. That was in Omaha? hmm Yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And here, then it continued.
0: I
2: think it was, I'm thinking through some of, um, some of the Catholic friends I've known in the past, and I think Bible studies and things like that, and even you talking about your mom, um, I mean, that's something that's leaving the Catholic Church for some people, is a very, very, very hard thing to do. But inviting them to do something else that involves the same Bible that is being read on a on a Sunday morning in Mass is less not scary. Yeah, yeah, it's not leaving. You can still go to this. and yeah. tell them you're Catholic every week like your mom did. <laughs> um, and then, but then there is like for for this friend that I'm thinking of. Once his eyes were open. Once he understood the gospel there was so much more vibrancy even in the Sunday morning mass for him that wasn't there when his eyes were closed and kind of seeing that and seeing, seeing the beauty of some of the the Catholic art and even some of the rituals and whatnot has been, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's been interesting as we've been going through this series. Um, that's something that I've noticed even, and I know I've seen in him as well. So that's That's kind of an interesting takeaway for me is just, what things mean when we do have open eyes as opposed to Hmm. going through things just in a rote manner. Uh
0: Yeah. I mean, every person has to sort out where they go to church and just how what they're reading in scripture matches up with Mm -hmm. their experience of following him and worshiping. And so the fact is that helping people to understand God's word and know the gospel, know Jesus, that's our calling Mm -hmm. not not to get people to go to this church or that church. It's really Mm -hmm. not what we're intending. Yeah. Yeah. This has been good. Talk through some different kinds of things and I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, finish out the podcast today. Lord, uh, some of us come from Roman Catholic backgrounds and we may be at various places in our own journey. And so I pray for us to seek to know you and grow in you and to go to your word to uh, the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Just ask questions about who are you and what do you want from us? And if that's an application for one who's listening today, pray just for um, that uh, person who's listening. For many of us, we have friends or family who come from a Roman Catholic background. Help us to be authentic and inviting and encouraging to seek more about who you are and to uh, help them process any difficult or bad experiences in the light of the love of Christ. And may we be your hands and feet to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.